This episode of the Dan Clement Show has been pre-recorded. This is episode 988. Well, hello, fellow constitutionalists. I want to read an article from Focus Press by Brother Jack Wilkie. He posted this on September 23rd, 2020, and he titled his article, We Lost a Culture War, Here's Our Next Step. And I think it's a very profound article. I'm going to read all of it, and then we're going to go back and discuss it just for a few minutes. Uh... But he writes, it's over. We lost a culture war. After centuries of the American culture largely sharing many of our values, we find ourselves in unfamiliar territory. The Christian worldview is decidedly the minority worldview in this country. People do not hold our values, mainly because they do not confess our Lord. The bold, anti-biblical message from corporations are all you need to see to know how the, the tide has turned. Perhaps the most obvious example there was a time when there was a threat of a Christian boycott kept businesses from supporting things like LGBT uh, causes. Now they spend a month of June putting rainbows on all their products. We simply don't have the clout we used to. As such, it's time we start acting like it and stop operating with the strategies and expectations we've used for so long. It's not working anymore, and as we make that transition... We might find that the kingdom of God is better off for it. We might just begin to operate the way we're supposed to be operating all along. Here's the game plan for learning from our mistakes and changing our approach. We misunderstand humanity. The world can debate the philosophical question of man's goodness all day long, but Christians, have we have the answer. Humans are not basically good. There is none righteous. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3, 10 and 23. Ever since the fall, we have known this. Why then are we surprised that fallen people hold fallen values? The question of the forbidden fruit is the same one we all face today. Will you submit to God or not? Romans chapter 1 shows us the progression of those who say they will not. They reject God for idols, so he gives them over to what they want. As they drift further, he gives them over to their lusts while they neglect him, the creator, to worship his creation instead. From there, he continues to give them over to their increasingly depraved desires until the point where they not only practice all sorts of evils, they also give hearty approval to others who do so as well. Any of that sound familiar? What are we seeing in our country is the natural progression of people who do not bow before Jesus as king of everything. Our next step must reflect our new proper understanding of humanity. If people are basically a bad part apart from Christ and grow worse as times go on, that truth must be factored into our plans. We fool ourselves when we think we can make it so our biblical values are honored by people who do not honor the authority behind the biblical values. It is humanism, not Christianity, that posits that mankind can think, work, and legislate themselves into goodness. Many, if most, American Christians forget this lesson long ago or forgot this lesson long ago and are still seeking to fix the country by political means. We cannot fix that which instead needs to be saved. Jesus fixes all things, but not before he saves. Knowing that mankind is basically bad and consistently pulled further away from God Rather than towards him, we must change our strategy. Victory through cultural and or political dominance is not a viable strategy. We don't have that kind of influence. And even if we did, any game would only be temporary as mankind will continue their march away from God. 
Well, now what? First of all, we have to start meaning it when we say this world is not my home and my citizenship is in heaven. We may be American citizens, but ultimately we belong to a different kingdom. And it's imperative we start building a church culture that shows the world exactly how we're different. The kingdoms of the world might see the powerful taking advantage of the weak. We won't. The kingdoms of the world might struggle with matters of race. We won't. The kingdoms of the world might see poverty and undernourishment. We won't. The kingdoms of the world might have difficulty agreeing on a standard of what is right and what is wrong, but we won't. Rather than being surprised that they don't hold our values, we are to stand separate from them and show a better way. Second, we must change our strategy. The church was designed with an infiltrative structure like leaven hidden in three measures of meal, Matthew chapter 13, verse 33. Leaven spreads within the system. It does not become the system. Since we are already thinking of ourselves as citizens of a different kingdom, let's run with that analogy. If a foreign country set up a military base in America, they would be shot down or blown up. If they tried to take over the country's political system by running their own candidates, they would be widely opposed. But what would happen if a few dedicated disciples of their ideology came in and quickly taught others their ideas? Within a few generations, they could bring about all kinds of change. That's basically exactly how we got the wave of Marxism we see today, where communism and overt socialism have failed at the polls for decades they still wield an outsized influence because of the means employed by their proponents. Went beyond just the political. They went into the universities, the press, and Hollywood and taught people to agree with them. In other words, they knew they couldn't force their ideas on, unwilling, on an unwilling public, so they began to convert people. They knew that, in the long run, values drive a country far more than laws do. We have to stop being a sh so short-sighted. We can't save people by voting for the right person. If we want to make a difference, we need to do the hard work of going beyond the polling place and instead competing for people's hearts. In short, we do what Jesus told us to do all along, make disciples. Start praying for and seeking out like-minded Christians who are ready to wage war on the gates of Hades. Pray fervently and plan together as to how you're going to make the name of Jesus known in your town. Whether the people think they're ready to know him or not, then start telling people about him. Simple as that. Once we realize how broken humanity is, we can stop expecting the government to enforce our morals by law, and we can stop expecting individuals and businesses to support our biblical convictions. From there, we can get down to the serious business of carrying out our mission. For far too long, we've been satisfied with, uh, to live in a nation that outwardly held our values while ignoring the spiritual state of the individuals around us. Somehow, we can't get millions of Christian citizens to align on voting decisions and get countless Christian consumers to affect policy with their spending, Chick-fil-A, Ford, etc., but have, have to beg people to evangelize. Why not both, you might ask? Why not political and spiritual engagement? I suppose I'll ask the same question to you. Maybe we can be both highly politically active and highly spiritually active, but social media and church attendance make it painfully clear that most Christians are far, far more interested in political change than spiritual change. What is your hope for the future? A return to Christian cultural domination or an infiltrative spread of the kingdom? Do the, do the paths of those two goals overlap? 
I'll close one more question I anticipate I'll receive and one I too used to ask. But what if every Christian did what you suggest and gave up on politics? You mean ask me what the results would be if hundreds of thousands of us threw ourselves wholeheartedly into prayer, driven evangelism and disciple making as our form of activism? I don't know, but I sure would like to find out. <clears throat> and again, that was a Focus Press article by Jack Wilkie published back uh, in September of this year. And Jack really points out a lot of good things here. And one of the things, if you've never gone back, and this is something that a lot of people I know that aren't Christians have probably never heard, uh, especially if you're listening to the Joel Olsons of the country and stuff like that, that uh, preach a prosperity gospel. But Paul in the, in the first chapter of Romans was very explicit about this and and jack brought this up in his article here if you go over to the book of romans chapter one starting verse 18 we'll read a few verses out of there now i'm reading now the new american standard 1977 version for the wrath of god is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because that which is known about god is evident within them for god made it evident to them for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and cower, uh, crawling creatures. Therefore, God gave them over to their lusts of their hearts to impurity that their bodies might be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions for their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. In verse 27, And in the same way also the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burdened their desire toward one another, men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their era. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, they are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. So Paul went through a whole litany there. And I know... Uh, I'm not going to read it again. I'm not going to go over and explain it. I'd, I'd ask you to go study that. That's uh, Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to the end of the, the first chapter. And I think what Jack's saying here, and this is something I've been talking about on Facebook for a while now and actually you know, sharing posts and making comments to folks, that we're not going to, we're not going to change this country. We're, going to, we're not going to solve the country's problems through the political arena. We're just not going to do it. Um, I'm not saying that you shouldn't be active in politics, but that shouldn't be your first uh, that shouldn't be your first go-to is to try to change things uh, through politics. Your first go-to is to be Christians. Preach the gospel. Be in season, you know, 
instant in season and out of season. That means you'd be ready whether you, you know, to preach it, whether you're ready or not, whether it's convenient for you or not. We need to preach the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ to people. We need to show them a better way, as Jack said in his writings in, in, on this article. And this is something that, that I've sort of lost sight of. I'm, I'm, I'm very political. I, I, I kind of like, I look at politics as a game, and sometimes I forget that I need to uh, step back from that and get back to my real job as a Christian and preach the word. Preach the gospel. Show people there is a different way. Win back the hearts and minds. Just like, just like there's been a long march to our institutions from the late 1800s to today, uh, from Fabian Marx or Fabian uh, socialism back in the late 1800s, when we sent our youth over to uh, European colleges instead of keeping them here in our universities here, they brought back this Fabian socialism, and it's been a, the ruination of our country ever since. And they've been going through the universities. And schools, uh, there's school teachers, even uh, even in elementary schools, that uh, are very political. And if you don't agree with them, uh, they'll they'll do what's called cancel cancel culture, and they'll try to get you canceled. They'll try to get your your voice drowned out. Uh, and it's the same way with uh, polit- you know political views that these uh, Marxists, uh, these cultural Marxists, don't agree with, especially the the Marxists that are in the uh, Antifa movement or the BLM movement. Uh, both of those are cultural Marxism, and they've taken over the culture through the universities. And this is one thing I just want to make a side note here for parents who send their children to universities. You are the consumer. You should be able to, because you're footing the bill or you're helping your child foot the bill or whatever, you should be able to go to that university and say, I don't want this taught to my children. Because you are the consumer. I think we forget that. I think we forget that a lot. So, you know, if you're sending your kids to university, make sure you're sending them to good universities, have good professors. There's websites that you can go on uh, that you can find out what these professors are actually teaching, what these schools are standing for, if they're teaching the right things. We, we need to start doing a little bit of our own canceling, you know, not sending our children to these prestigious schools that are poisoning uh, our, our youth's minds with socialism and marxism and communism all this authoritarian garbage that they're filling their minds with but getting back on topic i think as local congregations we're not doing enough to get the word out about christ we're not doing it we're not doing our jobs enough to evangelize those that are lost in christ and my friends that's the only way we're going to save this country is if christians get back to doing their job if new testament christians preach the gospel Make disciples of everybody that they come in contact with that they can convert. You got to make disciples. That's a lifelong venture. Making disciples. You you don't. It's just not teach them about salvation, get them saved, get them baptized, and then they're done. That's just the beginning. Discipling takes a long, long time, and we need to be about discipling people, folks. We really, really do. Hope you enjoyed this. Uh, and hopefully I'm going to com- be able to continue doing some more of these for the podcast site. Give me your feedback on this. Let me know what you're what you're thinking about this. And if my buddy Dave happens to listen to this and he sees a, a notification come up on a new podcast, I'd appreciate his feedback. And I hope everything's doing well with him and his family. And, and I hope everything, everything's doing well with you and your family. My name's Dan Clements, and this has been a podcast for the Dan Clements Show. 
and I'll see you next time on the next podcast.